0: WellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up to date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show.
1: This episode of Wellness Win Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Uh, So it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I tricked Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me and their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families and express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Movement Radio. Um, so we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies
0: onto the show. Hey there, gorgeous listeners. Thanks so much for joining us on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley.
1: And I'm Andrea. And don't forget to follow us on social media. So we are the Wellness Women on everything. Um, you can find Ashley on Dr. Ashley Bond. And I am The Period Whisperer on Facebook and Dr. DrAndrea.xon on Instagram. I've got my um, little fur babies sort of joining us in the room tonight, but they're behaving. So hopefully they... Um... <laughs> And not going to be too distracting for us, especially because we've got a very serious topic, um, very complicated topic to go over tonight, Ash.
0: We do. And uh, I think we put this one off because we were like, ooh, get to get into the research. And it takes a little bit of uh, thinking. So, ladies, hopefully we can make a very hard topic very simple for you. That's our intention with tonight's podcast Um, because I think we tend to find topics like this can be a bit overwhelming. And, you know, if we're talking to clients, you watch their eyes glaze over as you start to get into the science of things. It's like, okay, so let's make this really simple for our listeners that you can imagine exactly, you know, what we're talking about and then obviously give you some home tips and some takeaways at the end of the show like we love to do. So this mm. is all about tonight, about the, um, well, gluten-thyroid connection. Um, and that that concept is pretty self-explanatory there, the idea that there's a connection between gluten and thyroid in a negative way. And mm. I'm going to explore that tonight because – one in eight women in their lifetime has got to experience a thyroid disorder, and that's a pretty damning statistic. Um, and I think, you know, if we realize that there are some underlying causes and some predictable pathways under which thyroid conditions can manifest, then hopefully we can help you either prevent the onset of a thyroid issue, or if you are dealing with one right now related to say autoimmunity or any other number of uh, conditions, then we might be able to give you some strategies and tips tonight to help uh, with the possible pathways you can take and some of the things that we've found to help well with our clients or with you know people we know well that have utilized different methods different you know dietary changes different things that will actually help to restore and to reduce the the stress load on that thyroid Mm. so that you can actually heal and be well because classically medicine really only gives um you know two key approaches usually it's using a substitute for thyroid hormone of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. and so which is hormone replacement therapy for life? Yeah, exactly. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty um, – oh, if someone told you, now you have to take this for the rest of your life, I don't think most people really want to hear that, that diagnosis because, um, unfortunately, it's – fiddly they'll have to keep playing with the levels like it's just an ongoing management concern so wouldn't it be amazing if you actually help to heal the thyroid and to help to reverse Mm. some of these diseases um, and disorders which you know we know from some of the evidence is incredibly possible so yeah we're going to talk about the approaches tonight and why um yeah why gluten really is an underlying concern and causes such great issues with the thyroid
1: now, um, as with so many of our episodes, a lot of the inspiration that we get for our podcast episodes comes from our patient community, right? And it's things mm. that we see in clinical practice. And um, this episode is a shout out to Annalise um, because I told her we would record this specifically just for you um, because I really want her to understand and as well the rest of our incredible audience, um, especially if you're struggling with these things, to help you to make better nutritional decisions decisions to support, um, you know, the function of your body. And I, as, like, you know, I'm certainly guilty of this. And I know we've done this so much, um, throughout the podcast previously as well. Like we have we're always banging on about gluten, right. And health trends are so funny. Um, and they often come full circle. So for you know many many years, lots of people were seeing the benefit of coming off gluten, um, even if they weren't a celiac, um, they might have had non-gluten, um, non-celiac gluten sensitivity, and they really saw positive benefits from avoiding gluten. But now we're seeing this idea of you know certainly people eating more intuitively, they're not stressing out so much about you know how much gluten or dairy, for example, and so they're not avoiding these things, and they're almost doing it in a rebellious way, um, which you know is is absolutely fine and. As as a practitioner, I have certainly come full circle and I'm certainly not nearly as dogmatic as I used to be um, with patients as long as, as long as whatever they're doing is not specifically detrimental to their health. We're still achieving their health goals and therefore assisting them along their journey to whatever it is their purpose is in life, right, because that's, that's what we do. Their health has a greater purpose. That's what we're there for. But there are some circumstances where I am very dogmatic where there is no unambiguous guidelines, we're very black and white. And one of those circumstances is with gluten exposure in the presence of thyroid dysfunction, especially autoimmune thyroid conditions such as Hashimoto's or Graves. Now, this is not faddish. This is um, uh, well-supported. by research, hugely supported by anecdotal research or or evidence that we see in practice as well, but there is some really good compelling studies showing the connection between um, the inflammatory processes and cascades that happen when having gluten and how that actually affects thyroid function. And there's actually a direct correlation between the gluten and thyroid dysfunction or destruction because the protein structure in the gluten protein shares an amino acid sequence that resembles that of the thyroid. So when a gluten-sensitive person reacts to gluten, the immune system may begin, like erroneously, reacting to the thyroid tissue as well, which causes an inflammatory um, or the inflammatory immune cells to attack and destroy thyroid tissue almost like a case of um, mistaken identity which often happens in autoimmune conditions which means that if you have an autoimmune thyroid disease and you eat foods containing gluten your immune system will attack your thyroid that is exactly why we give that advice to our patients when there are these problems going on but we're going to go into it deeper than that
0: Yeah, and the reason it's so important too because, you know, when we talk about why is the thyroid essential for good health and and good well-being, um, it's because thyroid hormone has a direct effect on the brain, the gastrointestinal tract, um, cardiovascular system, bone metabolism, uh, red blood cell metabolism, Gallbladder, liver function, steroid hormone production—the list goes on and on and on. Um, Mm, Essential for fertility and proper, like, reproductive hormone function. Like, yeah, in in, you know, protein metabolism, body temperature regulation—like, the list is endless. And so, you know, it's it's often referred to as a central gear in a sophisticated engine, just meaning that it's so critical and there's thyroid receptors on just about every cell in the body. So, you know, it is, it is really important. And it's not just important when we have thyroid disorder, when we show signs of hypothyroidism, that's not the time to act. The time is to live now in a thyroid healthy lifestyle, you know, a thyroid supportive lifestyle, because, you know, ultimately you want to prevent thyroid autoimmune conditions Mm -hmm. that's you know the number one goal we have for women's health particularly is prevention but unfortunately like we said one in eight will experience a concern with their thyroid so we also need to have real world lifestyle application strategies that can be helping to heal and repair the thyroid so, yeah, sorry, that was just a bit of background. That's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know when something jumps all like a <gasps> like, straight line? I'm like, ah. he's, he's Dutch comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can paint the picture here, ladies. This is like we're, we're recording in the evening. My husband is sitting on the couch. He's just chilling out. He's got his little headphones on so he doesn't, you know, bother our podcast and uh, he's watching Dutch comedy. Sometimes he's like chuckling away out loud and I'm just sitting here like, oh, and then other times like he just did now, he bumps off the mute button and suddenly it starts blaring. like. it's so,
1: so funny.
0: Uh, but, you know, this is, this is real
1: life. You this know, we record this in our in our offices that, um, you know, obviously, Ash, um, your lounge room is sort of one wall away. So <laughs> Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, so, oh, look, I, I think, you know, back to the whole point of what we're, we're talking about as well, um, there's good evidence to show that, you know, a majority of cases of hypothyroidism are actually autoimmune disease um, in a large majority around the mark of about 90%. So this really plays into the idea that if it's autoimmunity and the body's um, flagging, you know, its own cells for destruction, then wow, how can we help prevent and reverse that? And I think that's what I'm really interested in as well. When we talk to our clients, what can you do right now today? That's going to make a difference. Um, the biggest challenge I find though, with, uh, the, Impact gluten plays on the thyroid is that there's suggestions or, you know, some degree of evidence that shows that once you consume gluten, it can stay, um, sort of inflammatory in terms of activity for up to six months. So yeah. it's not as simple as just eliminating it for a week or two, because often, you know, um, with, with elimination diets, we find that you take it away, and within a short period of time, you start to see positive change, and it's almost that confirmation of like, wow, this does have an impact. Mm. Problem with something like gluten is it's going to take such a long period of time for any positive change to show up that people often revert back to it, thinking, oh, it's not working, so it doesn't really matter. Let's just go back because that's not that's not the cause yeah. of it. Um, so and they Ash, they quit before the outcome.
1: That was that was published. Research that was published mm. in the Journal um, of Clinical Gastroenterology in 2002. So, um, yeah, it's 20 years old now, but there's been further studies that support that too. So that exposure can last up to six months. So this is why in this population of my patients, I do not let them have room for flexibility. Definitely. um because and not not just because of that but also because gluten inhibits the absorption of essential nutrients that are required for adequate thyroid function. So, when we've got that increased risk of leaky gut, we're obviously not going to be absorbing things like, you know, selenium, zinc, iodine, um, vitamin D, all of that sort of stuff adequately that we need to, that's actually going to be affecting how the thyroid's functioning in the first place.
0: I love that you mentioned leaky gut there, Andrew, because that's such a, I guess, common underlying concern and mm-hmm. often is the primary Course, you know, that we have this uh, leaky gut issue. And the term leaky gut uh, kind of goes back to the work of um, Dr. Alessio Fasano, and he did a lot of work on this, looking at the mechanics and how that gut triggers autoimmune disease, including autoimmune thyroid disease. And it essentially means that the gut becomes sensitized most commonly by something like gluten. It's one of the main causes of leaky gut. And essentially what it means is that your body will respond to these proteins or foods or particles that can move through the wall of the intestine. Um, and it produces a an inflammatory response. The body signals the leaking, so the leaking product coming through, and it will create this autoimmune response. And I find that really fascinating because that permeals permeable small intestine, um, not only lets, you know, partly digested food through because of the things we've consumed, but then of course that creates a, you know, an environment where it also allows microbes and toxins to pass through. And, you know, very quickly we can have a very unhealthy person. And, you know, if we don't put a stop to those threats consistently coming through into that bloodstream, then your body is going to keep throwing up this inflammatory response, which ultimately, you know, in a chronic sense leads to autoimmune disease because your immune system is so overworked. um, It actually begins attacking your own body by mistake. Um, and this is
1: like a finely tuned system that's actually mm-hmm. working appropriately. Like that—that's actually its job because yeah. your GI tract is the. Is a major immunological organ. You know, um, once we sort of really started to understand what the microbiota, or the the trillions of symbiotic bugs um, in our gut, actually does, we're realising that eighty percent of our immune function actually resides in our gut. So it is this immunological organ, and so it's got to maintain this tolerance to essentially dietary antigens, while also being responsible to any kind of pathogenic stimuli. Yeah. So both the antigens and the pathogenic. Stuff can cause inflammation. And especially people that have this genetic sort of predisposition to any kind of autoimmunity, anytime there's that excessive inflammatory trigger, then they get this whole inflammatory cascade. We get this signaling of um, the their macrophages. So the immune system, the immune cells that obviously trigger inflammation in the first place. Um and with that, we get that gut dysbiosis. So that imbalance in the the gut microbes, which is signaling that inflammation as well, which sometimes can give you the symptoms of that non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Um, so even if you're not technically having an autoimmune, um, you know, reaction at that gastrointestinal level to the gluten, it can still have that destructive effect signaling that cascade of immune response and that target organ for you may be your thyroid, especially if you have a genetic predisposition to any kind of autoimmune condition.
0: And it's really amazing because like you said, it's the immune system doing the correct thing given the environment Mm -hmm. it's provided. And so where you know, we start to then talk about something called molecular mimicry. And this is the the whole premise of why we're having this conversation today is that the body's immune system is really good at recognising a pathogen and creating a response to that so in the future it can flag and tag it more rapidly to prevent harm to the human body. So the system itself isn't perfect because it's basically recognising molecules and protein structures. Now there's a couple of things that mimic... Molecules and protein structures within the body. And two of those key things are gluten and casein, and casein's in dairy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, say, they call them, you know, doppelgangers. <laughs> Yeah, for the thyroid. Uh, So this is where, unfortunately, thyroid tissue, casein, and gluten all have a very similar uh, protein sequence and antigen response. Um, So you can imagine if there was a problem with the thyroid, finding thyroid tissue uh, responders in the body, it could effectively deal with a negative response. But unfortunately, now we've got casein and proteins from gluten floating around, looking like thyroid tissue. And all of a sudden we get this overactive antigen response and that right there is that autoimmune disease. So yeah, it's, a just, it's just interesting because I think a lot of people don't understand that premise and they think, well, why should I give up gluten? And basically you need to say, because gluten looks like thyroid tissue to your body. And if you don't give it up, your body will keep continually trying to try and destroy the thyroid because it yeah. thinks there's a problem.
1: Yeah, and I I like that. That's probably um, the easiest way to sort of really, really think about it without going into all of the um, like really understanding at that sort of molecular level and that gut level of the inflammation and everything else that occurs. But there's really good research that supports the elimination of gluten as part of a treatment plan in chronic autoimmune thyroid conditions um, so just last year there was a study published in the Journal of Clinical Medicine. So this is not fringe science. these are really good high quality peer-reviewed journals. um and so this study looked at um, a collection of patients with you know that chronic autoimmunity and showed that the group that um, stuck to that gluten-free diet, um, had a reduction in the TSH levels, which means um, an improvement in thyroid function, an increase in the free T4 levels, so better thyroid hormone production. Sorry, my dogs are going a little nutty in the background. Um, and compared to the control group, they fared much better which also meant that there was an improvement in the intestinal absorption of their thyroid medication, which meant they could lower their dosage, which I think is also just amazing. but one of the key features of this, which I think is really important to mention, is that the people who were in the gluten-free diet category didn't just make swaps. They didn't just go from gluten products to gluten-free because a lot of gluten-free commercial products, particularly in you know a standard Western diet, are full of things that are not necessarily healthy, so well, they like normally have
0: vegetable oils, right? Vegetable oils, industri-
1: yeah, industrial, yeah, industrial seed oils, um, you know, trans fats, high-sugary um, sort of ingredients. Those sorts of things that can still trigger an inflammatory response. Mm-hmm. So that group of um, patients received a lot of dietary education around healthier versions of things that they could be using instead, and really honed in on that whole foods diet. Um, so it makes sense that they they had the these improvements and after a two-year follow-up the patients in the gluten-free diet group um, 90 patients in that group oh hang on no was it 90 patients or it was a good percentage like a very high percentage of them I think it might have been 90 percent had like normal um, anti-thyroid antibodies So they had a complete resolution of the autoimmune component of their thyroid disease, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. So all but two of those participants had that resolution um, and that's after two years. So I just think that it is an easy thing that you have control over that is targeted treatment for helping to actually heal and change how your thyroid is functioning. And I've certainly seen that in my patient base as well. If they are on, um, for example, thyroxin or the hormone treatment for that, that when we do make these dietary changes and other things to support their thyroid function, their body starts actually responding to that treatment differently. So it means that we can actually reduce that dose accordingly, which is fantastic
0: and it's brilliant when you start to realize that it's everyday lifestyle changes you can do yourself in your home at no added, you know, cost and expense. It's, it's simply a way of thinking differently and understanding your body differently to the point where you start to realize it's just not worth the pain of continuing a lifestyle that has got you to the point you're at. And I think that's where we all have to get to is what I call a pain point. Um, and this really kind of brings into that question of, you know, conventional treatment, right? Because generally, you know, conventional treatment for anything autoimmunity is steroid medications, you know, to suppress the immune system. Um, But it can have more damaging effects because often you can find that other things pop up. You end up with things like Crohn's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, all of these other, you know, reflections of basically the side effect of Mm. the use of steroids. Um, And then you talk about things like standard of care. And, you know, there's reference to the idea that Hashimoto's is, you know, the approach is wait until the immune system is destroyed enough of the thyroid tissue to then classify a person as hypothyroid. Then you can finally give them thyroid hormone replacement. Um, but, you know, in our world, we say that, it's too little, too late. You know, you, you're waiting for the damage to be done before you actually do something about it and it's still not delving into the underlying cause, um, you know, and, and dealing with the other issues that come with that. And I think it's – really tricky to see the solution of autoimmune problems as a prescription medication treatment. Yeah. And I think we really need to be clear about that because both of us agree it has, you know, those medications have a place in the pathway of treatment and recovery, but they're not going to get you out of jail. They are not going to solve the, the concern, the condition. They're not going to resolve thyroid dysfunction. Um, even though people often feel like they're being managed, um, but they, you know, refer to this idea of it. It's like a leaky boat. Um, that supplementary thyroid hormone is simply just like someone bailing out water in the boat and you'll have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it until you plug the hole in the boat. And then, You have some action and some positive effect. So, I'm, yeah, I guess what we're talking about tonight is how do you plug the holes in the boat? How do you help the body heal so that any medications, any hormones you do take are more effective? Um, and hopefully, like that study you referred to, Andrea, you know there might be full resolution if things are done well enough for long enough, which would be very exciting. And
1: I, most of the patients that I work with who have um, some sort of autoimmune thyroid condition or who are on thyroxine, most of them want to be off medication yes. that they're they're supposed to be on lifelong, right? That that is normally their goal. And I think another reason why it's worth um, you know looking at these root cause issues for the presentation that's come up is because the risk of other autoimmune conditions when you already have one is so much higher. Mm. Um, and I think that there's a threefold increase in autoimmune diseases when you if you are sensitive to gluten or if you do have celiac disease. Yes. And so the other thing that this study showed is that um, being on that gluten-free diet decreased the risk of any additional autoimmune condition. And I think that that is just so worthwhile because – you don't want to be on this vicious cycle of one autoimmune condition after another. And I see that so commonly in patients that um, when, when women are quite unwell, they might have some sort of thyroid dysfunction and that's coupled with, you know, um, lupus or um, rheumatoid arthritis or other really chronic inflammatory immune-mediated conditions um, because we've missed those steps along the way or those warning signs of the body that there's something that's really gone awry here. Mm. Um, and I think that part of the reason why we don't pick up this stuff up in the first place is because traditionally the testing for we know for you know um, thyroid disorders is really really flawed Um, it's old science as well Um, but it's still you know it's within these medical reference ranges that we're working within that um, are, are typically outdated but also the testing for gluten intolerance or celiac disease is pretty flawed as well. Um, and there are genetic markers that you can have tested to see if you have a predisposition to gluten sensitivity or celiac disease. And those are the HLA oh, DQ2 and 8 genes, um, which you can absolutely test. Um, and here in Australia, you know, um, you can do that through you know, your normal medical practitioner. Um, it's covered by Medicare if there is justification for that too. Um, there's certainly the testing of the antiglycerin and antibodies, but I find that really unreliable and that's normally the first um, uh, first point of testing if we're wondering if there is um, you know celiac disease or gluten sensitivity there. But the other challenge is that the gold standard for confirming um, a diagnosis of say celiac disease is actual visualization of the tissue of the small intestines. <laughs> Um, to see that the villi of the small intestines have actually atrophied or started to um, sort of melt away, I guess. Yeah,
0: which means they're blunted and damaged and don't do the job they're meant for.
1: And how many people want to go under a general anaesthetic just to... For an
0: endoscope to be able to visualise. Yeah, it's a tricky one, that one, isn't it? Because that is, yeah, if that's the gold standard, then there's a lot of people on a waiting list there to spend time in a hospital bed while they go through a procedure mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, big challenges. But I, look, I think if someone is diagnosed with celiac um, or has a good strong suspicion or late onset you know, type one diabetes is another example of these autoimmune patterns that um, can manifest, then it's, you know, radical dietary and lifestyle changes are necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be a bare minimum to go gluten free.
1: And you know what? It's not as hard as what so many people make it out to be. It really, really isn't. It's only as hard as you make it. And, um, you know, contrary to a lot of popular belief, removing gluten from your diet is not going to give you any nutritional disadvantage, You're not going to be missing out on anything as long as you're, you know, paying attention to a whole foods diet. And we've talked about this so many times and we recorded a podcast specifically on, um, is it dangerous to go gluten free? So please have a listen to that as a follow up, um, just to, so that you've got a really good understanding of obviously the pros and cons as well. Um, but this all comes back to part of this idea that food is medicine.
0: Yeah. Um, I, for me, that's it. Like it's just the because the, the, you, you know how we could, we could talk on and on about it, make it very complicated, or just that radical, you know, health concept that, wow, food will heal the body if done properly and done mm-hmm. well. And, um, you know, I guess there's a little disclaimer on this one. I, while I was looking for the research, I did find interesting that even as, you know, recent as 2020 here, there's a Journal of Nutrients they're suggesting that the current evidence on the efficacy of a gluten-free diet is limited um, and not enough evidence to recommend a gluten-free diet to non-select patients with MS, psoriasis, autoimmune disorders, or type 1 diabetes. And I thought, wow, it's pretty disappointing to find that, you know, medical journals are still not reporting on the benefits of interventional medicine that includes diet. Um, When
1: was that published, Dash, that one?
0: August twenty twenty. So, okay.
1: so this one has just, come out yeah. the year after. Great. Um, so this is um, from the Journal of Clinical Medicine. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, everybody cherry picks their research, right? So exactly. that selection, um, and, you know, we are not exempt from that. No, no, but, but I want I'm to show this for, as, a, as an yeah. example
0: of like while I was looking for, I always try and look for the pros and the cons. Do we see evidence yeah. of, you know, someone denying this to be truth and other evidence that confirms this is, you know, somewhat truth at this point in time and history and um to say that there's still that challenge to the idea that dietary change is actually going to make someone well (laughs) really annoys me to be honest (laughs) Um, (laughs) because it's it's like we're living in such a toxic food chain right now that um, surely the the most important thing any of us can do is try and safeguard our water you know get rid of uh, all the contaminants in our water get rid of all the pesticides herbicides um, heavy metals out of food sources you know reduce the packaging reduce exposure to plastics like this is not rocket science. Um, and yet when it comes to something like an autoimmune condition, this is not the first thing people are told about how they can help themselves. Yeah, exactly. um, and that, that bothers me still. I think that if anyone has any in- inkling of a conversation related to autoimmune, or you might have an autoimmune condition, the first thing I'd be seeking out is what things in my lifestyle could trigger my epigenetic response. So my potentially my genetic predisposition or what things are actively damaging my health from the per perspective of gut, immune, brain, gut, thyroid connections. And uh, and these are the starting points for us. So let's just quickly run through just as a, a final summary, Andrea, of what things we think have the most impact on someone who has a thyroid dysfunction um, and where mm-hmm. we would start on a functional medicine approach, meaning, you know, lifestyle intervention, lifestyle medical intervention. Um, and it could be con- like in line with pharmaceuticals or as a first line of action before mm. pharmaceuticals, my first one is always diet, you know, eliminate yeah, herbicides, course. pesticides, and anything that's damaging the gut. So heal the gut, heal the body is a slogan we've often used. And over the years, we've done so many seminars and talks and workshops on gut health because so much of autoimmune uh, dysfunction comes from a dysfunctional gut.
1: Oh, you show me anyone with an autoimmune condition and I'll show you someone who's got poor gut health. Yes. Yeah. Um, or maybe that poor gut health was like part of the trigger for it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that might sound really flippant, but it's it's one and the same. You know, that immune system is... Um, is mostly residing there. So we know that. Um, perfect. So, Ash, sorry, keep going.
0: Yeah, gluten-free, dairy-free. We just explained, you know, this idea of mimicry. And so if we want to protect the thyroid, then we want to eliminate things that mimic thyroid tissue and that is casein and gliadin and this is the gluten and the dairy so it's really for me a very simple notion to remove those two key things to start with to see if we can have impact but as we said earlier it needs to be at least for a minimum of six months because it could be up to six months that gluten is still having an active role in inflammatory damage to the body so um, unfortunately the timeline is much longer that people most people want to peel to fix the problem straight away but that's not how healing in the human body works it takes time it takes consistency and it takes attention to detail meaning that if you really do have a serious health problem there is no drug that's going to save you you need to do the work yourself so start with diet- dietary and lifestyle changes which fortunately we couldn't be in a better time in history to deal with this right how much easier is it to go to a restaurant and say i need gluten free dairy free and they're like sure no worries yep. <laughs> or walk yep. into a cafe and say can i have you know a raw gluten free treat yeah absolutely like we couldn't be in a a better time to manage these dietary challenges in a, a positive way without feeling like we're missing out on everything. You know, we can still go out to dinner with friends. We can still have social occasions. We can still buy food at the shops and make our own meals without extreme amounts of stress and attention to preparation. So I'm pretty excited because this is a really great time in history to be managing, you know, non celiac sensitivity or celiac disease or anything related to, you know, thyroid dysfunction. 10 years ago, it would have been so much harder. 20 years yeah. ago, probably near on impossible 30 years ago it wasn't even talked about so we've come a long way in such a short time
1: And when we say gluten, um, don't forget that means wheat, barley, oats, rice belt, um, couscous, uh, beer, some vodkas. Um, what else have I forgotten? Barley, rye, um, germ wheat, all of those sorts of things. I'm sure I've forgotten some things there, but just look up all of the (laughs) the gluten containing foods. Um, a lot of, uh, like you know, um, glucose syrup in um, certain packaged foods is from wheat. So you just need to sort of really read those labels because that's really important. Um, So food is absolutely medicine, Ash. I love that. For some patients who do have really, really high antibodies, I will use an autoimmune type diet approach, which is very restrictive initially. And then we layer foods back in and and really monitor results very closely for that, similar to like an autoimmune protocol. Um, And so from there, after the dietary we're always looking at obviously stress responses, other hormonal cascades. I always say that your thyroid is a slave to your adrenal glands which is why I see an, in epidemic proportions women after particularly their second baby coming in with a new um, you know, diagnosis of some sort of thyroid condition because of that depletion that's been happening with their system for a while. So let's look at those downstream mechanisms as to why this has happened. What has disrupted that hypothalamic pituitary Treat adrenal thyroid axis, um, so obviously monitoring, monitoring and managing that, cleaning up any nutrient deficiencies, um, and making sure that you know levels of vitamin D zinc selenium um, possibly iodine if required as long as there's not any sort of hot nodules there that they might be sensitive to um, are really key ingredients and obviously magnesium because we need that to absorb vitamin d and vice versa um, are critical for that adequate thyroid function that hot thyroid hormone conversion um, i really love to use you know chinese and western herbs to help to calm that immune response as well um, and when it comes to again, really elevated thyroid antibodies that aren't really shifting very easily. I do think that low-dose naltrexone, which is probably the one and only pharmaceutical that I am a fan of, um, you know, in in these sorts of in terms of like chronic medication type things, has been shown to really help bring down those antibodies and calm that immune response um, in a very safe, effective
0: way yeah perfect and if you want more you know dive deeper into this stuff i know that um on my shelf here that was uh something i picked up years ago there's a american doctor by the name of dr amy myers she has a lot yeah. of information on this um i pretty sure she's got two books definitely got one book i yeah. i know um that's the autoimmune solution and i think her sec yeah her second book is the thyroid connection so you know just for a deeper dive for for an opportunity to read because i know I love to read things so if you do want to just sit down and dive deeper into this she very well explains pathophysiology the biochemical pathways and really dives into the nerdy stuff as well if you're really interested in that and then also really practical solutions on the other side of it you know with some advice and guidance and things like that so well researched well referenced um and, and quite interesting. Again, you know, like all all things in life, it's your body, it's your choice. You know, you can do, do what you want with information like this, but we do love to think that with some positive forward steps and a supportive group around you, you know, including friends and family, you can do some really incredible things with your health and live the life you deserve, you know, live the life that's healthy, well, robust, vibrant, vital. Um, and really, you know, we know in women's health, the thyroid is critical to all of those things.
1: Yeah. And just remember your health has that greater purpose and food is medicine. All right, ladies. You have, we've just, uh, you know, tried to give you the best summation of that gluten thorough connection as we can. You have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. And until next week, be well. Oh, and we're raising the bar for women's health. I forgot to say that. Until next week,
0: be well. (laughs) Ciao.